Hello and welcome to the Two Shelves of Gaming podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to role-playing games, war games and adventure board games and my name is Tom. Now today I'm doing something a bit different. I am doing an outside, not so much broadcast but podcast. I am going to walk around and talk about some of my games or an aspect of games. Now this is a bit weird because I'm actually on holiday at the moment in southern Slovakia. I'm in a small village and I'm going to be walking around that small village talking to myself. So hopefully people don't look at me and think I'm crazier than I actually am. But that's what I'm going to do. And the reason I want to talk in the great outdoors about an aspect of gaming is, well, it's a nice day. It's really nice weather today. It's been quite rainy the last few days. There was a tiny bit of snow, but that soon disappeared, you know, despite the fact we're in a part of the world that's kind of considered cold and snowy, that's not the case right now. I'm sure it will be later after we've gone, but at the moment it's a nice warm day, so I thought I would go for a walk. Right, let me just check those sound levels, because I'm using a plug-in microphone and my iPhone. Now, I didn't have any time to, or rather, because of the circumstances of our departure from the Netherlands, we, we drove. I had a nice plan li- laid out for me in which I was going to pack my voice recorder, pack my microphone, you know, do all those things. But when it came down to it, it was just too crazy. We, we didn't have much time to plan our, our departure and it was just chaos. So by the time it actually came to me, for me to consider what I was going to take, I uh, I basically ran out of time. It was crazy, crazy nuts. So uh, I'm having to do this into my iPhone using the uh, the lightning jack microphone headset type arrangement. So sound quality is a bit different today. Uh, I think also because this is going to be getting recorded as an MP3. Normally I record it as a, uh, a WAV with a... That's the sound of my daughter in the background. I normally record this as a WAV. That's quite a high bit rate. I edit it with Audacity and then export it as an MP3. So, you know, don't really need to know all those techie details, but that's probably why the sound quality is not so good. Anyway, let me walk walk away from the from the house I'm staying at. My uh, my in-laws. It's a nice place. And I will walk down the road. I'm just going to be quiet now because I'm going to pass somebody. They'll think I'm weird if I talk to myself. Okay, so... Right, I'm heading towards the church. And the reason I say that is it's got a very tenuous link to wargaming. I'm not a very religious person, but this part of the world is quite religious. It's very, it's very Roman Catholic. And my younger daughter had her christening here a few years ago. You know, I'm not, into, I'm not really into these things, but it was nice, nice ceremony. And afterwards, the priest, who was this very large guy with a shaved head and a big stra- straggly beard, you know, we were we were communicating with each other in um, in Slovak, which is a language I falteringly speak, so in a so-so manner. Anyway, he suddenly said he was a big fan of Warhammer Forty Thousand, which was quite quite incredible, really. Although I don't think he's into the gaming side of things; he just reads the novels. But I didn't get a chance to ask him what exactly he was into, whether he likes the books. Actually, I don't know the 40k books at all, but whether his interest was orcs or marines or chaos, I've, I've no idea. 
So, of all the places in the world to find a 40k fan, it was in a small village in southern Slovakia. Anyway, what I wanted to talk about today was a subject I, I didn't quite get a chance to cover in the last podcast because I ran out of time. And that subject is game books. Now, game books are things that I've had an interest in pretty much at the pretty much from the same time I got into role-playing. I got into role-playing games and game books at near enough the same time. I vividly remember... Well, actually, let let me stop there. I think the the first game book I remember was uh, Choose Your Own Adventure. And I'm not sure sure if you would class that as a game book because you're not kind of rolling dice or making notes of stuff. You know, it's all the decisions and all the outcomes are purely dependent on the chapters or the passages you choose. There's no sort of rolling dice component to it. But anyway, yeah, Choose Your Own Adventure. I really got into those. I think the first one of those I read was something to do about a haunted Scottish castle by the, by the shores of Loch Ness. It was all very sort of stereotypical Hollywood, but it was great fun. And then I read a Dungeons & Dragons themed Choose Your Own Adventure, which was about the Dwarves revo- Revolt. And then Interplanetary Spy. And these were, these were game books where you were an interplanetary spy, so it was science fiction themed. And you were, you know, trying to uh, protect an Olympian athlete from assassination. So, you know, it was quite, I wouldn't say adult themed, but it was quite a heavy go and you had to stop someone getting killed. And the way the game worked was, whenever you had to make a choice, you had to kind of solve visual 3D puzzles. So, for example, if you had to go into a part of a space station and to ensure that the, uh, the oxygen was to your to your liking so you didn't suffocate you looked at a 3d puzzle and then you were given an option of the other part of the 3d puzzle so that they basically fitted together seamlessly so do you choose piece a b or c to fit into the other part of the puzzle if you got it right the mechanism clicked together you get lots of nice oxygen if it doesn't you're you're breathing in marsh gas or methane and you die and it was really good but i only got a chance to do that one book which uh, i forgot what it was called apart from its title, Interplanetary Spy. I'm not sure what the subline was. And then, a short time afterwards, I got Fighting Fantasy. Now, Fighting Fantasy, can't quite remember how exactly I got them, whether I bought them or whether they were sent to me or whether... I think my sister might have brought them for me when she came back from England, because at this time I was living in Trinidad. And uh, quite possibly one of my friends back in England made contact with my sister or something and said hey give these to Tom you might like them anyway they the books I got were Warlock of Firetop Mountain which was the first of the FF series Citadel of Chaos and Forest of Doom basically it was in that in that first kind of uh, spurt of fighting fantasy game books and I really loved them I thought they were just really 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 engrossing books fantastic stories you know, I loved it. You were rolling dice and fighting stuff. And the artwork and the taglines were really quite... What's the word? They were really quite visceral. Because up until then, I'd been looking at Dungeons & Dragons stuff. And while D&D artwork at the time... You know, we're talking mid, early mid-80s here. I wouldn't call it family-friendly in all, 
in all uh, instances. You know, some of it was some of it was quite thigh-slapping, you know, anachronistic, wholesome kind of. But with uh, with the fighting fantasy game books, you know, the artwork of John Blanche or Russ Nicholson, uh, Chris Achilleos. I think there was some uh, there was some is it Ian Miller in there as well? Some of the artwork was just incredible. As as he, as Ian Livingstone said, it kind of reached out of the book and ripped your face off. And oh yes, it did. It was incredible. So that whole kind of feeling atmosphere of the artwork, the adventures, fighting really really nasty monsters. You know, some of the descriptions were really quite putrid. But you know, I loved it. You know, I was only like ten or 11 when I was doing these books and I thought this is amazing you know these these were these were hardcore you know there was something really next level disturbing yet entertaining about these books and I and I really got into fighting fantasy big time I'm just going to check to see if this thing's still recording now I hate hate for it to stop recording and bug out on me right let's have a look there's the sound of the wind yeah we're still going okay right at this point in the journey I am walking towards a, a levee or a dike, as they're called, depending on your preferences. On the other side of the, of the dike is a river, and on the other side of the river is Hungary. And just beyond is uh, a set of, of heavily wooded or heavily forested hills that make up uh, a national park in Hungary. We're kind of in between the cities of Bratislava and Budapest here. Anyway, enough of the geography. Let's go back to game books. So, fighting fantasy. I devoured them would be the, the best way to describe it. I absolutely devoured the game books. They were a perfect escape. You know, I was, uh, because of where I was, didn't really do a lot of socialising at the weekends, not because I didn't have any friends, it was just very, very awkward. You know, you living in Trinidad, you couldn't get the bus to a mate, you couldn't walk to a mate because was, there was an element of risk and danger, you know. It's, it's a nice place, but at the time there was a lot of... It was a bit dangerous, you know. Kids didn't have the same freedoms that I was used to living in England, you know. Whereas in England I could just go to the park on my bike, you know, hang out, go to the beach because I, li I lived on the coast. That just wasn't a thing. You were basically dependent on your parents driving you around place, which sucked. But uh, to fill the gap, especially when I moved to our, our second or third home in Trinidad, because we, had, you know, because when we first moved there, we were in a, rent, a rental for a while. Then we moved to another place because there was all of us, me, my mum and dad and my sisters. And then after a couple of years, my sisters moved back to England to do their studies. So it was just me, my mum and dad. So we moved into somewhere smaller. The point being, when, when we moved into this someplace smaller location, I was quite isolated in terms of uh, my friends. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't just go down the street because it was too, too far and too dangerous. You know, quite a few disturbed types walking the streets of Trinidad at the time. I don't mean me. Anyway, enough of that. But, you know, trust me, it's a nice place. But at the time there was a little bit of not safe for kids to walk down the street. Anyway, into that void I really got into fighting fantasy and luckily for me they had started selling fighting fantasy in the bookstores in Trinidad and I just gobbled them up. I absolutely gobbled them up. 
I must have gone through, I'm pretty sure I went through the first 10 books. I vividly remember the last book I played, the last fighting fantasy book I played was The Talisman of Death. Now, I should have looked this up before I started this soliloquy, but it's either by Dave Morris or Jamie Thompson. Not sure which one. I suppose I can edit out the error, but uh, at the time I didn't know it was them. And that was my last fighting fantasy book. And I'm not sure which is in the series that is now, but that kind of marked time on not so much my fighting fantasy gaming career, but also in a, in, in, in a way my role-playing career. And when I say marked time, I mean that was, that was the end of my initial spurt of gaming activity, because if you're a regular, regular listener to this Stream of Conscience podcast, in one of the other episodes I mentioned that in 1982, when I moved to a new school, which was in Trinidad, I got into role-playing games. Some, some kids in my class were playing it, and I really was hooked there and then. And then in 1986, I moved back to England. And my sort of gaming activities, but not interest, my gaming activities kind of trailed off a bit when I moved back to, to England because I was getting to grips with going to a new school, I was having to get the train to school. My God, that was a bit of a shock. In Trinidad, the last place I went to school, I would, I would walk about 10 minutes down this uh, palm and coconut tree-lined road with parrots flying overhead. And then when I went back to England, I was on this uh, quite scary train service going through the, the suburbs of Liverpool with a lot of emotionally disturbed people on board. And they say the streets in Trinidad are safe. That's nothing compared to Mersey Rail in the 1980s. Anyway, point being, when I moved back to England in 86, I didn't really, you know, know how or where to look for a gaming group. And I, I, I'd lost interest in playing fighting fantasy. For some reason, I kind of relegated it to being a little bit on the childish side of things. I know that's unfair and quite ironic, given that I'm quite into it again now. But, you know, for, for, for a variety of factors, everything faded away. You know, I still kind of flipped through my books, but I wasn't so active anymore. Anyway, and also the, the kind of tragic footnote to this fighting fantasy is sometime in the mid-90s, I got rid of all my fighting fantasy books. And I still kind of lament that fact now. For some reason, I held on to all my role-playing games and all my war games. There was something inside me that said, no, I'm holding on to those. But for some reason, I, I classed my fighting fantasy books as something belonging to my childhood, which is quite unfair, but at the time it made perfect sense. And I think the other reason I threw them all out or took them to the charity shop was, was simply because they were in a bookshelf where I kept all my other inverted commas childhood books. Basically my uh, Hardy Boys, I was into the Hardy Boys. I was into some, uh, a book series called The Three Investigators, which again, it was another, another kind of detective mystery series. I was really into those as a kid. You know, and some of the, uh, and some of the first fantasy books I'd written, uh, sorry, read even, I just kind of said, okay, that bookshelf over there, that's all my kids' books. You're out of here. And they all, they all got uh, disposed of. And I did that sometime in the mid nineties. And that is quite, weirdly significant in the great cosmic carousel of events because around that time Dave Morris and Jamie Thompson were 
doing their Fabled Land series. Now, Fabled Lands is a series of game books that I've only heard of relatively recently to my shame. And I feel quite embarrassed about this. But again, if you are a regular listener to this rambling account of my gaming collection, I didn't always keep up with what was happening in the gaming world. You know, when I was, when I, when I initially got into gaming in the mid eighties, early, early to mid eighties, I didn't have any access or means to find out what was going on. There were no magazines on sale where I lived, you know, no dragon, no white dwarf, because that was in Trinidad. And then, but when I moved back to the UK where I had all those things, I didn't really buy the magazines on a regular basis, you know, so it's my own fault. But basically I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what, the, who, what was being released, what was happening. And so I believe Fable Lands came out in 1996, which was another year of uh, kind of transition for me because I had just moved back from living in the Czech Republic, where I was, where I had been teaching English for about a year and a half. And again, you know, with all the stuff going on in my life, you know, I just moved back from the Czech Republic. I was trying to find a job in, back in, in, the, in the UK. I was trying to, you know, just get my life together, you know, place to live, etc., etc. You know, at that moment in time, trying to find out what's happening in the wider gaming hobby was just not a priority. It just was not. So that's why I did not hear about the Fabled Land game series, game book series. It just, that was the worst time for me to probably be aware of anything happening in the world. And it's not just that that's kind of uh, embarrassing about uh, the Dave Morris output. I'd never heard of the Dragon Warriors role-playing game until much, much, much later. And I think that's, that's the kind of segue I need to lock onto now as part of this conversation because it wasn't until sometime in the late 90s that I went into an Oxfam store, that's a charity shop slash thrift store, uh, in the town of West Kirby in Merseyside, and I got hold of the first two Dragon Warriors role-playing game books that were published by, was it Corgi? And they were a role-playing game, a complete role-playing game system, but they were presented in the form of a paperback book. And I have to say, when I first saw it, I went, what? A role-playing game system in a, in a paperback book? This doesn't look bona fide. You know, I, I'd been kind of corrupted by the snobbery of only expecting role-playing games to come in large and expensive hardback volumes, which is completely unfair. But that's how my mind initially kind of processed things. But as I, uh, as I read the books, and this is long after the fact, of course, you know, this is years after, almost a decade after, I was thinking, this is really good. God damn, these are good. That rumbling sound you can hear is a weir on the river. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be getting any closer, otherwise it might knacker up the sound recording. Also, I'm always a bit kind of wary about wild animals, I kid you not, in this part of the world. The last time I was here, I'm now walking along the top of the levee or the dike. It was in the summertime, and I could hear this horrible screaming noise which I was I was told was a, a wild boar which makes a horrible bloody noise luckily it was on the other side of the river that the guy I was with told me but on top of that I was also walking next to a, uh, a cornfield which was in full 
blue. Do you say that with cornfield? The, you know, the, the crop was kind of ready. The, 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 the corn plants were tall. And as I was walking, so that, that corn plantation was on one side of me and I was walking along the top of the levee. Every few minutes, a deer would just charge out of the cornfield without any notice and either run a few yards in front of me or a few yards behind me. And it was, it was bloody terrifying. And I remember thinking, if one of these guys hits me, it's not going to be good. <laughs> so it kind of made, and it was dark at the time, you know, and it was getting, couldn't see what was going on. And there's something quite primal about being in the wilderness at nighttime where, you know, every little noise, every little rustle or, or, or you know, break, breakage of a twig makes you kind of jump and put you on edge. Anyway, that cornfield has gone. So I'm not going to be surprised by any deer, that's for sure. But there are loads of deer around. I can't see any right now, but I went through a drive yesterday and there's a ton of deer just in every field you pass. Apparently it's so cold, they're coming down to graze on the grass. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Back to the, back to the subject at hand. So yeah, I saw these small books, these Dragon Warrior books, and I went, oh, that... Initially, initially, I, initially, I dismissed them as kind of being kiddish. Again, that kind of cruel streak that made me dispose of my fighting fantasy books was, was in play. But I read them and I thought, this is great. These are really good books. God damn, these are really, really good books. Why didn't I see these or hear these back in the day? And the reason was I was kind of, I was not actively gaming. I was not actively seeking out stuff. And um, I kind of, and, and I guess the fighting fantasy section of the bookshop would have been something I would have, I would have walked past. You know, I, I don't recall ever seeing them on sale at all. And I'm trying to think about what my reading habits were in the late 80s, early 90s. I think late 80s I was reading a lot of the, uh, the Dragonlance books by, uh, is it Weiss and Hickman? I really got into those. But I can't recall seeing any, uh, any role-playing stuff, any Dragon Warrior stuff. Anyway, fast forward to, I'm walking into the wind now, so there's going to be a bit of uh, wind noise on the mic. Anyway, fast forward to sometime in, God, when was it, 2010 or 2009, can't remember. I went to the uh, the Gauntlet, I think it's called, uh, role, pl not role playing, wargaming show in Broughton, North Wales. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a wargaming club. I think it's called the D-Side, the D-Side Gamers, as in the River D, the D-Side Gamers, because that part of North Wales is called D-Side. And they have their uh, their club house, or at least they have this convention, in the grounds of the Airbus Airfield slash manufacturing site. I mean, when you go to the uh, the wargames convention, you're not going to any sensitive areas. You're, you're basically in some kind of social club space. And if you're... And, uh, and <laughs> If you're lucky, sometimes you'll see the famous Beluga airplane land carrying or taking parts to and from France. And the Beluga airplane is this aircraft with a gigantic elongated head. It looks like a porpoise that's got wings and jet engines. It's really quite crazy. Anyway, it was at one of these gauntlet conventions. I was browsing the, uh, the second-hand tables and I saw, I think, uh, the first three or four of the Dragonlance books. Sorry, not Dragonlance, sorry. The Dragon Warriors books and I immediately bought them for pennies. You know, even though it, it, it meant me repeating the books I had previously or had already got, I just instinctively got them and I got more and more into them and I really liked the story, I really liked the uh, the setting, I liked the game mechanics, it was really quite straightforward. The only thing I didn't like was the set damage. You know, you, you didn't roll for damage. 
each weapon did a set amount of damage, which, uh, you know, I guess, I guess if I'd ever played it a lot, I could have done something with that. But hey, what can you do? And that inspired me to get the rest of the series off eBay. And luckily for me, these were, these were just about still at the time when you could get role-playing stuff and wargaming stuff at very reasonable prices. So whereas now, if I wanted to get a Dragon Warriors paperback, I'd probably be paying something ridiculous for it. I was only paying a couple of pounds for each one. It was nothing. In fact, I think I got them all off the same guy who combined the postage. So, you know, I think I got, I completed the series for 10 pounds, which is, which is nothing. And I thought, these are great. Where have you been all my life? And I think I even played a game of Dragon Warriors with the, uh, the gaming group I used to, to have. And of course, around this time, uh, I can't remember the name of the, uh, the publisher, but it was done as a hardback book with, uh, with a few of the, uh, with a few extra books, such as Friends and Foes, which was a list of uh, NPCs and background stories in the beastery. I think there's a few other things there right now. But anyway, this creative team do the Fabled Lands game books. And I just, I started hearing about Fabled Lands a while ago. And uh, luckily they are now, I'm not sure if, if if this is something relatively recent, they are available to buy. And I think they are print on demand, which means, well, well, well for me, without being too political, it means I don't have to put up with any Brexit, Brexit blockade, as I call it. I think the books I get hold of, they're, they're printed in, in Poland. And because Poland's in the EU and I live in the EU, I, I, they, they come to me without any hassle. I think that's how it works anyway. Now, if you don't know about the Fable Lens setting, it is a game book, as you'd imagine. That's what this whole podcast is about. It's a series of linked game books where, depending on the choices you make, you can go from one game book to the other. Huh? Okay, let me explain. So let's say you're, you're traveling through the wilderness, which I'll come to later, and one of the choices is you can either go back to the town to buy some things from the market or you can go over the over the rise up in the distance if you go over the rise you might find it says okay now go to book three in the series passage xxx so you can kind of jump from book to book and that's the thing about fable lines that i find quite beguiling intriguing and hypnotic and it's taken me ages to say this they are literally books you can get lost you can literally wander and wander and wander on your own you can get lost in a book you can get lost in this amazing setting and i find it quite quite crazy in a way that here i am very very much a middle-aged guy just being absolutely enthralled by these uh these game books these these fable land game books now within there are character classes so you're not just a couple of uh, num numeric scores depending on the dice roll you know you You've got character classes, you know, Troubadour, Wayfarer, you know, um, basically, and also you've got the, the equivalent of Fighter and Cleric and Thief classes. And depending on which one you choose, you'll have a certain combat score, a certain sanctity score, a certain thievery score, etc. You know, you, you don't suddenly become a powerful character. Because the good thing about the book is it's not all about fighting. Sometimes you've got to figure things out. Sometimes you've got to pass a test or do a charisma roll. You know, it, it, it's really good. It's very involved and thought through. It's quite granular in places, I think. But again, it just comes back to you, you can get 
you can really get lost in a good way. I don't mean that in a frustrating way where, where you're getting, you're just going back and forth because you can't advance. You can just wander around a setting. Now each book is, is focusing on a particular geographical region of these fabled lands. That's the, the world setting, the fabled lands. And they are vast. You know, they span continents and islands and seas. And the first book that I'm going through, it's called The, uh, the War-Torn Kingdom. I'm in a part of the fabled land called Sokara. I think that's how it's pronounced, which is a, a coastal area with cities, mountains, rivers, fortifications, and you know, and it and it's a bit wild, it's a bit dangerous. But when I first when I first started playing this game, I, I it reminded me a little bit of the old video game. I think it was called Myth or Riven, where you can just kind of wander, wander into places. And I wasn't expecting that. I was I was kind of expecting the fighting fantasy mode of doing things where you're kind of on rail tracks and it's kind of i wouldn't say it's i wouldn't say it's not hard not to complete the quest but it's hard not to complete the quest with fighting fantasy the challenge i find with fabled lands is because you have this not quite infinity of choice but you're not always on a forwards moving narrative storyline you can quite easily decide okay i'm going to go back to where i was when I played the game a few days ago, you know, depending on how long it takes you to play this game. You know, you can go back to the town you've been in multiple times. You can decide to go and have another look at the forest you just went through. So you have got that kind of perception of freedom of movement. That does have its downsides because sometimes it's quite easy to be caught in a loop. So for example, you're in the forest and then there's an option to go back to the, the market. And then when you're in the market, there's an option to go back to the forest. So you can keep doing that, ding, 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 you know, bouncing back and forth. And, but, you know, you don't have to deliberately do those things, especially if every time you go into the forest, you meet the same, I don't know, skeleton or, or bandit. You know, that, that's just ridiculous. But there are sort of safeguards against repeating encounters because on some of the passages, there's a tick box and you'll be asked to tick it so that if you go there in the future and the tick box is ticked, you will go to a new encounter or the thing that happened the first time you were there did not happen. And also you can buy houses so that you can store your money and your goods because you can only carry 12 items with you at any one time. Although the hazard of buying a house is when you go back there, you roll 2d6. If it's if you get two to 10, everything's okay. If you get higher than that, all your stuff's nicked <laughs> or your money's gone. So, you know, there's a risk to it. But it does mean you can, you can acquire vast wealth and have it spread out over the fabled lands. Combat system is good fun. I do like it. It's 2d6. And what you do is you roll 2d6. You add your combat skill. So, for example, at the moment, my character, he's got an impressive combat skill of 9 because he's got an amazing sword he picked up. So I roll, I roll 2d dice. I add my combat skill to that. And if that number is higher than the defense of your opponent, whatever the difference is, you have taken that many life points or health points off your enemy. So not entirely removed from Dragon Warriors, the same general concept. And it's good, I like it. And since lockdown started, I've been kind of rediscovering my game books. I have to say, you know, I've played a few, I played the, the Port of Peril, which was um, the anniversary, was it the 30th anniversary? I, I can't remember of uh, fighting fantasy and it was okay it was good fun you know but then i got back but then i kind of got back into the other fighting fantasies that i'd reacquired over the years you know <laughs> i'm slowly kind of building up my collection from the ones I'd, I'd chucked out you know i've got i've repurchased um forest of doom i've got warlock of firetop mountain i've got two copies of that i've got scorpion swamp i've got 
uh, Creature of Chaos. I've got a couple of the uh, sorcery ones as well. The Shemutanti Hills, Care City Port of Traps, I think it was. And uh, is it the, the Silver Crown? Oh, you know what, I can't remember what the third book in that series is called right now. And I can't go back to my bookshelf because I'm, I'm, I'm away from my base at the moment. And of course I've got the, I, and again, this is, a, this is a weird thing. And of course I'm just completely randomizing my, my thoughts here. Even though I got rid of my fighting fantasy game books, I held on to my fighting fantasy game system because around the time of fighting fantasy, they did release a, a complete game, role-playing game system called, uh, well, called fighting fantasy. And there was a great description of the City of Thieves uh, laid out for, for a role-playing game. I kept hold of those. But I got rid of my fighting fantasy books, so somewhere at the subconscious level I was kind of compartmentalizing that, okay, those books are there, they're proper role-playing games, but you guys, your kiddies' books, you're out of here. So I've been getting into, uh, yeah, I've been re rediscovering my fighting fantasy a lot. And to be honest, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it therapy, but it takes your mind off things. And I think that's one of the great aspects of role-playing games that I've heard a few times, especially since the pandemic kicked off. You know, it's a great escape, takes your mind off worries, it's a bit of fun. And again, I'm always kind of amazed that something I, I first picked up near enough 40 years ago, I can get such fun out of. I absolutely love doing it. I'm turning back into the wind now. You can hear it against the mic. Okay, I'm turning away from it. Oh, I just have to turn into it. What the heck? It's, it's an outside podcast. But anyway, going back to Fable Lands, it's nice to have the opportunity to uh, to discover these books because I completely missed them in their first iteration back in the mid '90s. Just uh, yeah, at, at that moment when they were released, I, I just was not actively getting gaming stuff. It just wasn't happening for me. And I've kind of <laughs> I have uh, made up for that big time. I think I've got four or five of the Fabled Lands now. One of them I got second-hand. It was an original publication from back in the day I got off uh, eBay. Quite quite reasonable, I have to say. The rest of, the, rest of them are these print-on-demand. And the other line of books I've got uh, from the same author or authors is uh, Bloodsword, which is a multiplayer tactical game book. And they were designed that you can play them with up to four people, each one playing a character class. The more people you play, I think the lower the character class or the lower the level. The fewer people you play, the higher the level. And the great little trick these books have is every time there's a combat encounter, you've got a tactical map. So if you choose, you can kind of draw a little map or do a little kind of scenery setup, I guess, if you're so inclined. And you can move you know, pieces around to say, OK, my my guy is going to go there and attack that monster. Uh, and the other guy is going to go there and block that corridor. So it's, it's quite fun at that level. You know, and uh, when I when I did play the very first Bloodsword book, it was called the, I think the Battle Pits of Craft, where you 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 go underground in some kind of uh, dungeon bashing tournament. I had a big piece of that graph paper. You know, you know the presentation graph paper you sometimes see in presentations. Well, actually, probably you haven't seen much of that now because of the pandemic. Everything's on Zoom. The point being, I had this very large graph paper and I was able to put my minis on them. I was able to draw the outline of the room or the corridor or whatever the, the, the tactical encounter was. And for the monsters, I just used dice because, you know, let, so let's say I'm fighting three monsters with five health points or endurance points or whatever it's called. I just put the number five face side up and as their wounds go down, I just reduce, I just turn the dice appropriately. So it worked really well it's, and it's very satisfying. And they're quite hard books, uh, Blood Sword. It took me a few goes, you know, they're not... They're kind of as, the gameplay is as brutal as the artwork, I'll put it that way. But fantastic. And again, D20 
did not see those at all back in the day. So, and again, I think they're print on demand, and it's great that I've been able to uh, to get hold of them, or rather, discover something for the first time that I completely missed by back in the day. And that's what I've been, actually, and that's what I've been doing on my holiday here in Slovakia. I, I took I took my game books with me. I, took, I brought the first of the fabled lands, which is the war-torn kingdom. But I'm getting boxed in by it, and by that I mean I'm finding it difficult to advance out, advance or move out of a certain geographical area of the map. Now I'm not sure if I've done everything I can, or I'm missing clues, or I'm missing passages. I'm not sure because looking at the map, I, I've you know as I go through the book, I drew a little kind of I do a little line map with numbers, and it kind of roughly equates to north, south, east, west. So I have a kind of What's the word? Topper? Is it topographical map? Whatever the, the word is for a map like the London Underground, you know, it's not necessarily accurate, but it, 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 it has what you need to, to navigate. So that map I've drawn roughly uh, resembles the actual drawing map you get in, in the book. And what I'm trying to say is I, I must be missing something because I'm finding it hard to get to certain places or to do certain things but it's entirely possible that some of the passages in the book are only written for the express purposes of coming from other books now i haven't looked this up and i haven't got to the the desperate um act of looking up cheats just yet but uh i've just been going back and forth and uh all the options where i can move to another book and uh, and i've discovered a few i don't want to do i don't want to do them just yet partially because i've not brought all the books with me i've only got book three with me because i got it i got it for christmas which we spent here but also i just want to see i want to make sure i've done everything i can within that setting the sakara setting which the uh, the blood taught the blood uh, sorry the the war-torn kingdom is set in so it's it's challenging but in an in an entertaining way so i'm going to have another stab at that maybe later or tomorrow if there's time I somehow don't think I'll have time to uh, do the other game books I bought with me, one of which is Forest of Doom, which, yes, I have played at least twice back in the day. But uh, I had another go about a few months ago, and I failed in the quest. Can you believe it? The whole point of that book is you've got to get, you've got to uh, reassemble or find the parts of a, of a sacred dwarven hammer and return it to the, uh, the dwarven village. And I failed. By the time I'd got to the dwarven village, I'd only managed to uh, find the shaft. So I got shafted. So I'll have another go at that. And I've still got, I've got the map and everything with me so I can kind of figure out where I might have gone wrong. And the other book I got is Creature of Chaos, which was a, uh, a new concept that's where you start off as a as a creature, not knowing what you are or what you're doing there. So you're not you're not this kind of thigh slapping adventure adventurer with with shining armor. You know you you start out as some sort of weird creation. You've got to figure figure things out. And that book that book I got in Edinburgh. I think it was the last time I went to Edinburgh. I went to a secondhand bookstore, and uh, I just saw it on the shelf and I picked it up for the exorbitant fee of four pounds. I'm normally used to buying second-hand fighting fantasy books for pennies. In fact, I think Forest of Doom I got for 20p in a charity shop. But anyway, hey, I shouldn't complain. 
considering how much entertainment it gives me. And I think I'm kind of running out of coherent things to say about game books, whether it's fighting fantasy, whether it's uh, the sorcery series, whether it's fabled lands, whether it's blood sword, and, and there are some more. I mean, I do remember very vividly the the Lone Wolf books. Uh, I remember, I remember, I got I got the first Lone Wolf book. I think it was it Shot in the Dark or Cry in the Dark. I got that in 1984 from uh, the W. H. Smith bookseller in Chester, England. I really enjoyed it because you could, you could, if you chose, play it with a with a D10, a ten-sided dice, and the artwork was fantastic. And I regret, I regret not keeping hold of that one. And then there are the game books I wasn't so bothered that I got rid of. I can't remember what the other one. There was this other series that was written with a lot of humour, even though the covers didn't portray that humour. And it was, you know, I'm going to have to look this up later part of the game mechanic was if you wanted to rest to, to gain back energy points or hit points whatever whatever it was called in that system you had to sleep but the danger was if you went to sleep your dreams could kill you so yeah I wasn't too keen on that and uh, I keep I keep kind of umming and ahhing about whether I should get hold of the uh, the lone wolf or the is it the lords the, the, the Kai lords I can't remember. Basically, it was done as a role-playing game, or, or is done as a role-playing game, but um, this kind of gets to the main point. You can't really play a role-playing game on yourself. I have tried it. It's not, you know, it's okay, but it's not entirely satisfying. But with a game book, you can. You can play a game book effectively on your own, because that's the whole purpose they were made. And even though, as I've just mentioned, I, I, I didn't succeed, getting through Forest of Doom, I'm going to try again. And I think there's going to be not a small amount of satisfaction in doing that if I do indeed succeed. And likewise, if I can ever crack exploring everywhere in the sections of the Fabled Lands, Fabled Lands' first book, I'll be very satisfied with that too, because there is a sense of, okay, I've got to, I've got to figure this out. How can I get from there to there? How can I advance things? Am I missing something? And I think that's uh, just one of the many great things that uh, the, the fighting fantasy, sorry, the game book concept generally does. You can have a great little bit of role play fantasy gaming on your own with a tiny footprint. You just, I mean, the books are quite small. You just need some paper and some dice and a pencil. As, as famously said on the back of all the fighting fantasy books. Although to be fair, the Fabled Land books are a little bit bigger, even though a lot of them are now being printed in kind of uh, regular book size. Some of them are, are, are a slightly bigger format. I'm not sure what the, uh, the technical word is. And, and the same for the Blood Sword series, the multiplayer game books. They're a bit bigger, but the point being, you can play them on a small coffee table. You don't need to kind of commandeer the kitchen dining room, you know, displace your family or your flatmates to play a game. They're very compact satisfying items of gaming pleasure if that doesn't sound too weird and anyway i'm now back pretty much to where i started i've had a nice walk i've talked in my odd rambling way about fighting fantasy and what it means to me and how i enjoy it and how i game with it and no doubt i will uh, think of more sensible things to say after i've 
listen to this but by then it's too late and you know I like to do things I like to shoot from the hip so to speak and also I will wish you all a happy new year because I am recording this on Friday the 31st of December 2021 I'll see if I can upload it in time for the new year so from Tom on the Two Shelves of Gaming podcast. Have a very happy 2020. And if you're like me, I sincerely hope a lot of gaming is done. And with that, thank you for listening, and I'll speak to you next time. Did I just say 2020? I meant 2022. Whoops.